Is it just me or is it getting steamy in here? Usually I don't like to kiss and tell, but sometimes I just can't help myself because when it's good, it's so good. And when it's bad, it's really, really bad. And we're getting between the sheets and talking all about sex and intimacy on 90 Day Last Resort Sessions. I'm Sukanya Krishnan. You can call me Suki, everybody. So even if you have a lot of it, you may not know everything there is to know about sex. We all know it's complex, it's passionate, it's intimate, and it requires more than just physical attraction. Do you know how to build desire? Can your partner trust you to take care of them and make them feel safe? And are you willing to go the distance to explore different sexual interests and needs? That's a lesson that the 90-day couples got a nice dose of in sex ed this week. There are many ways that couples can have trouble with sex because if you don't have a healthy sexual foundation with your partner, things can fizzle out quickly. Luckily, it doesn't have to stay that way. Dr. J.D. Lacey from 90 Day The Last Resort is here to help us explore how to keep that flame alive and also how sex therapy can improve one of the most enjoyable parts of our relationship. Welcome, Dr. J.D. Nice to have you here. So let's talk about physical attraction. Is it necessary? In relationships, physical attraction is absolutely necessary (laughs) because that is part of the arousal system. So when you see your partner as someone that you're attracted to, then desire and arousal, you won't have to work so hard at it. All right. So physical attraction and desire go hand in hand. But can you build desire? Yes, but it takes intentionality and it takes work, Suki. So when we look at couples that have been married and together for a long period of time, there's a certain level of familiarity and there's a certain level of comfort that happens. And I'm going to use this metaphorically, so don't kill me if you're listening, but it almost can become like a brother-sister relationship if you spend a lot of time together and you just have this familiarity. So the way that you can put desire and arousal back in the relationship is not just checking the box because this is what my husband wants or what my wife wants is you create novelty in the relationship. So when you have two people who have, let's say, we'll use a typical example, they have careers, they're going out, they're doing their passion, then they come home in the evening, they have something to talk about because they had time away, which creates tension in the relationship. He's interested in what you had going on and what she had going on. And then that creates a level of tension and novelty versus constantly that you can predict what he says, predict what she says. That kills attraction as far as romantic desire in your partner. People say, my husband is like my best friend. Well, do you sleep with your best friend? (laughs) Right? So sometimes people use that. And I understand. I do understand why they say that. But you want your partner to have a certain sense of mystery around them. I'm talking about the healthy stuff. Mystery versus you have to know everything about them. You want to continue to learn. And I'm talking about this is in long-term relationships where, you know, let's just have sex to get off with each other. No, let's create an experience with each other. But what I find, especially in the work that I do, is that we will do the very thing that we have done to us. So if we were in family systems where we were unloved or we were learned to perform for love, then you'll repeat those cycles. And my mission is to help people not repeat those cycles and get to a place of healthy love with self and others. Dr. Janie, you have like an interesting background. How did your background really shape your therapy outlook? One of the most tragic and traumatic things that occurred in my childhood was the loss of my eldest sister. Her name was Carmen. And she was murdered by the hands of someone who she shared children with, who she loved. And we know that one out of three women 
are most vulnerable when they are leaving a domestic violent relationship that it can result in their murder. My sister became a statistic. So that had shaped my, not only my life, but my calling because there was a curiosity at some point. How can someone that you love and build a family be the same person who hurts you? And my family that I grew up with, we didn't talk about, you know, it's just the, our culture and just the way that the people in our family were also raised. We didn't talk about the difficult emotions and difficult things. So here I am, you know, having this huge loss and our parents didn't even know how to comfort us. I understand now as an adult, they were trying to figure out things themselves. But the way that that has shaped me now is I'm a big believer that every single one of us, no matter what we've gone through, we deserve to experience healthy relationships where we are seen, where we are heard, we're respected, and we're loved. I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Janie. Before we get too deep into the conversation, can you define the difference between sex and intimacy? Because there really is a difference between these two. Yes, there is a difference. So if we kind of make the explanation as basic as possible, first, let's look at sex, right? This is just a physical act of engaging in sexual activities. But it's possible to have sex without emotional intimacy. It could be a biological function driven by attraction desire with no emotional connection. But when we look at intimacy, we're considering more of a deeper emotional connection that extends beyond the physical act of sex, right? It can involve trust, vulnerability, a sense of closeness that can enhance the sexual experience in particular, but it can also exist independently of sex, intimacy. And intimacy can be physical, it can be emotional, it can even be intellectual, spiritual. But while sex can be the expression of intimacy, it's not the only way to achieve it. And for example, you can have an intimate relationship with your best friend who you're not sexual with or attracted to. You can be sharing secrets, you can express love, spending time with them would be an example. And it's important to note that because they are two separate, separate things. You can have emotional connection, but for couples, Ultimately, you want to have emotional connection during sex, which can feel like intimacy at times, but sometimes it's not. All right. Well, speaking of intimacy, Dr. Janie, a lot of the exercises that the couples did in therapy focused less on sex and more on building intimacy. Oftentimes, people assume that sex therapy work is primarily focused on intercourse, but most of the breakthroughs really happen when we dig deeper into the dynamics of a relationship. Let's listen to this exchange between Jovi and Yara. I would like to have more sex because when we first got together, we had a lot of sex and that's kind of faded away. We have a small child who's been sleeping in our bed up to this point, which obviously complicates things. No, it doesn't. Okay, so let's talk about it. It's inevitable. You're a new parent. It's hard to have sex the way you maybe mm, were used to. Thoughts about that, Dr. Janie? It is true. What you look at, what we just heard in that clip, is that when you have two people who have no children, the male in a relationship feels like, I got all her attention. I got all her attention. I got all her time. But when we have children that enter into relationship, your body changes. You're holding a child who's also giving you physical touch all day. Sure. And then dad's coming home from work, and she's been cooking, cleaning, taking care of the children. Children are touching her, and all of a sudden, he wants you to turn into a Victoria's Secret model, right? <laughs> There's some unrealistic <laughs> expectations, because this is where there has to be some other considerations that are taking place. But it does not mean that having children is the killer of the sex life. There just means there has to be some adjustments and there has to be different ways of relating to each other because when there are transitions in a relationship, including the first child, that's where we see higher infidelity rates, higher pornography usage. And I tell that 
on purpose because that means that you don't want to take this time for granted. Oh, well, we just changed because we have children. We have No, that's also a time where we need to figure out how we do us differently. I never even knew that there was actually a percentage after the first child where all of those things increase. Very interesting. So if you want to have nurture time or intimacy time, I think you kind of have to plug it in so you can play a little bit. Well, you have to, right? When couples are now getting into the business of the family, you wash the bottles, you put the baby to bed, and they have all these different to-do lists, and they focus on those things. And at the end of the night, they're tired, and they're giving each other leftover crumbs. And then they're coming to couples therapy and, and like, well, I'm tired. and Well, she knows I'm... And they get into these fights where if we just do it differently. So some basic things that people can do is scheduling. I'm not talking about scheduling their sex, but scheduling time where they're tired. Time and attention is focused on each other. Sometimes people call these date nights. Um, but date nights, sometimes I feel like for some of my couples becomes a chore. So that's why I say if it's a chore where you don't feel like dressing up and going to dinner, then put on your jogging shoes, put on your workout clothes and take a walk in the park and sit on the bench and just look at each other, right? It doesn't have to be these things where you can post on Instagram. It could just be these moments where we are sitting with no disturbances of the kids. We're looking at each other's eyes. We're playing a game, asking each other new questions, right? So we try to give couples a lot of different ways to create novelty, which then create intimacy because they're bonding over this experience. And sometimes that is doing activities together versus let's go watch a movie together. Let's go eat dinner. No, let's create something new and exciting to talk about, which can create more of an emotional bond for them. You know, I always thought this was a a great tip a friend gave me, like, I'll watch your kid on Thursday night. You can watch my kid on Saturday night. When kids see a loving relationship, when mom and dad are happy, even when they're young, they're intrinsically connected to our energy. Yes, Suki, I want to really highlight that point because you just said the word intrinsic. Kids may not remember cognitively when they were young, but they will remember how they felt. So the temperature that we create in the home can set into their nervous system, right? We don't have to get too much into the science into this, but if they're growing up in a home and they're like, oh, they're two, they're one, they won't remember this, their nervous system will remember this, right? So their body keeps the score, even though they may not have a memory of this. And that's why when people say, well, kids are better together if their parents are, not always the case. So if they're in a loving, secure home and it's okay, and I tell my couples in particular, it is okay if you even fight in front of your children. I'm a big believer. Fight in front of your children, but they also need to see mama and papa resolving that, right? And they need to see no disrespect because they're also learning conflict resolution right in the home. If you never saw your parents work things out, but you felt the Cold War, what do you think you're going to repeat in your own relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Shut down city. Yeah, and we've all been there before. We just shut down and you wonder where it comes from. So what can couples do that don't have children to kind of get the spark back, you know, light that fire and let it burn a little bit hotter. So there's a couple of things that we can break down and talk about here. First is they have to own their own sexuality. Because sometimes when I'm dealing with couples and they want to get the flame back or, you know, all the different things, what I find is there's one person in the relationship, Suki, who doesn't enjoy their sexual relationship. And it's usually the one who doesn't want to hurt the other person's feelings. And sometimes it's not always, sometimes it's the male, but sometimes I find this to be in the female position where she just wants to keep the relationship going and she doesn't want to hurt his feelings and doesn't want to tell him, touch me here, move here, do whatever. So she holds back. And sometimes that 
that's also learned lesson that female sexuality was learned to be a bad thing, right? For it to be a healthy sexual relationship, she has to own her sexuality and he has to own his sexuality. So they have to understand what is it they desire. And they have to have, even before the act of it, Suki, they have to have a conversation. <laughs> well, what is it in our relationship, our sexual relationship that you would like me to do more of, that you would like me to do less of, that you would want us to try in a relationship? But you have to have a certain level of maturity to enter that conversation because if he says, well, I want you to do A and I want you to do less of B and you're going to take that as well, you're going to get defensive about it and get your feelings hurt. That's not a conversation you want to enter into unless you're really looking to create something different and new. So place of maturity, owning your sexuality, asking your partner the hard questions. What can I do to make our sexual life better for you? And be willing to sit and hear their answer. So before you even do the act of, you want to be able to have a conversation and understand it and prime your mind for the sexual experience. Now, what do you do if all the systems are checked and you're raring to go, but your partner, well, your partner's simply not in the mood. What if it's become a pattern? Well, we're going to examine another age-old thorn in the side of marriages and partnerships when sex drives just don't match up. I don't think I should have to go out of my way specifically to do something nice for you to have sex. And how you can keep it frisky long distance. I'm Sukanya Krishnan. You can call me Suki. And this is 90 Day, The Last Resort Sessions. I'm Sukanya Krishnan, and this is 90 Day, The Last Resort Sessions. While the list of all the things that hinder a good sex life can be exhausting, there's a lot of good help out there that can make things fun again, especially behind closed doors. 90 Day resident therapist Dr. Janie Lacey is here now with me to explore some of the ways we can improve our sex life and make us stronger partners. High libido, low libido, and none at all. Sometimes we find ourselves not matching sexual desires with our partners. One person may just need one kiss and they're ready to rip off clothes. Another person needs you to really vamp up that intimate anticipation. That seems to be the case with Yara and Jovi. Here's a glimpse of what they've been going through. She wants, before we have sex, she wants something romantic or something special. Yeah, because this, it's not enjoyable. I don't want to do this. But I don't think I should have to go out of my way specifically to do something nice for you to have sex. All right, Dr. JD, I feel like we've all been there. There are some people who tend to want more intention and slow burn with sex, while some people just need the okay and they're ready to go. Well, what we heard in this clip is reminiscent of a lot of couples that I've worked with, and that is their ideal of their experience together is very different to start off with. So for one partner, it is just about let's move towards focusing on me getting an orgasm, where the other person may be focusing on the experience that they want to create. And that needs to be the first order of business is to understand what is the disconnect. And as we heard in that example, there's a disconnect. One person's just doing the do to get to a certain outcome where most (laughs) likely, in this case, the female wants more of an experience. So once we understand what the disconnect is, we can name it. And once we're able to name it, then we're able to help them move towards a more mutual experience. And that means that there has to be a conversation of what's pleasing to each other. So help me understand that. How do you name it? How do you name it? I like it when you touch me here. I like when you do that. 
Give me the one-on-one. I really don't know how to do this. Absolutely. So the language that most people can relate to is foreplay. So one person may want to spend more time in foreplay, creating arousal, creating play, creating the desire, and spending more time in that arena, which sometimes it's not always the female, but more times than not, it's the female. Because females, you know, if I use a metaphor, are more like an iron, where men are more like a light switch, right? So they may need more time to warm. <laughs> up to the experience. <laughs> and that's where it's created with the foreplay. And in that space, that is where they have to have the conversation of being able to say, well, I want you to touch my breast more. I want you to rub my hair more, right? There has to be a way where there's maturity and there's not immaturity because I can be sitting with couples and they talk about sex as if they're in middle school. <laughs> so we have to graduate them to the PhD program where they can name it and say it in a way that's not criticized the other person, that I just love it when you spend time kissing my neck. It makes me feel so loved, and I love it when you're close to me. But if you're saying, you know what, you don't even kiss my neck, how do you expect me to get turned on? Right. Right? If you come off criticizing someone, they're going to hear the criticism. But if you tell them the desire, to tell them what you want, it comes off in a way where you're inviting them in. And if we can't do that with our words, then the experience will just be an act. And the two you can bridge together is the act and the experience, as well as the emotional connection, which will make the best sexual experience. The sex therapist in this week's The Last Resort, Dr. Reba Corinne Thomas, she had an interesting exercise for Yara and Yovi. She wanted them to just cuddle without any sex, which ended up failing. Can you talk a little bit about building a desire with non-sexual intimacy? And how is that helpful for couples to rekindle sexual flames? When we look at our couples in order for them to build the desire without even touching each other, it can start in the morning. If we kind of give you some basic examples, it can start in the morning with you doing what we refer to as the love language. If you know how your partner best feels seen and loved by you in an act, and I'm not talking about a physical act, maybe it's you making their coffee in the morning and telling them how much you appreciate them. Maybe it's throughout the day you're sending flirtatious text messages, or, you know, for some couples, they even send nudes to each other or flirtatious pictures to each other, right? You learn the art of flirting with each other where you're keeping that tension in the relationship before you even touch each other. Couples will come in and they'll complain. Sometimes I get it more from my females. Well, the reason I don't like him touching me, and let's say they've been married for 20 years, is because every time he's taught me he touches me, or every time he rubs my back, I know he wants sex, right? So then she's pushing him away constantly. And what do you think that does to him? He feels rejected over and over and over again, which makes the relationship vulnerable. Is that why Yara Jovi couldn't cuddle? Is that why she felt like just laying there would lead to something and she wasn't in the mood for that? Absolutely. And that's why I'm saying it's very common for a lot of couples, not just them, but to feel that. And I say to them, if you are cuddling and you do feel that he's getting an erection, that is a great thing. He's attracted to you. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that you always have to go straight to, to intercourse. But how do you relate in those experiences where someone does want to be with you? And at that moment, you just maybe want to cuddle or you want to do other things. But these are conversations in a healthy standpoint that they need to have not in the moment, because in a moment, it can create disconnect. It can create hurt feelings. 
It can create rejection. The best way to start creating arousal is not losing the art of flirting with each other and not going and waking up and saying hi to your husband and you didn't even brush your teeth, right? <laughs> Get to a place where you're still taking care of yourself. And I know sometimes it's hard for people to hear this, but don't take it for granted because you're married or you're in a long-term relationship. Still put on the mascara, even if you're going for a walk, right? So these are some of the things that I like to teach my couples is to still take care of yourself because that is where you value yourself and we still want to be attracted to each other. You know, there's a lot of work that has to be done for couples to really fortify that sexual connection. And it's really got to be done outside the bedroom. What don't people understand about that? That how a couple expresses love and affection for each other in non-sexual ways really strengthens intimacy. Why do we have this disconnect? When you're in a relationship with someone, especially long-term, there's going to be certain things that matter to them. And sometimes it matters more to one partner than the other. And those are the basic tenets of just being part of a relationship. The ability to feel like your partner hears you. The ability to be able to voice your opinion, even when it's difficult. The place where they understand the things that you like and they're doing things that you like, even though they probably wouldn't do it if it wasn't for you liking it. Right? So when you look at all these practical things, they feed into the emotional bank of the relationship. So if someone feels disconnected with their partner and all of a sudden, just because we're sleeping in the bed and you want to roll over and you want to climb on top of me, but yet we didn't have any type of conversation connection for the past week, right? right, It's going to feel very disconnecting for someone. So in order for couples, I'm talking especially for those that are in longer term relationships. I'm just saying like two years and and more, right? We'll just use that as a a cutoff because sometimes you can just go straight off a desire and just the novelty of newness in the beginning. But after that, you have to have that emotional bank of the relationship that feels seen, heard, understood, and that I matter to you and that I'm still the priority to you. Then when it comes time to have physical and sexual intimacy, there probably more than likely will be less resistance because all the other things in the relationship are lining up and it's like the moon, the stars, everything is is there. (laughs) (laughs) The moon, the stars, you know, some fireworks, it's all going, it's all going and that's what we want. All right, so I want to switch gears here and talk about what you alluded to, the thing that plagues couples, especially in long-distance relationships. Physical intimacy is sometimes non-existent. That is the case for Angela and Michael. So Michael is still living in Nigeria, and Angela has been dealing with the lack of intimacy that comes along with being with someone who lives so far away. So we have to talk about what the sex therapist gave to Angela and Michael, and let me say, it's fantastic. Let's take a listen. So let me tell you guys what I had in mind. Angela, there is a device that you can wear on your body. And Michael, you would use an app to control the device. So you can make it intense, or you can make it light, or you can make it, you know, you can turn it off, you can turn it back on. So she's not using it on her own. You're using it with her. Ooh, A device used a long distance. There's an app for that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. This feels like a sexual desire managed in a healthy and safe way because both of them want to do it. Dr. J.D., what are your thoughts on the app? I think it is a very experiential, fun, novelty (laughs) uh, play to give to Michael and Angela. And I think they had a lot of fun with it in a way that kind of keeps them connected without being connected. You think who's going to have more fun with that? Is it going to be Michael or Angela who likes the remote control? Or is there going to be a fight for the remote control? 
I think in this case, it could potentially be a, be a fight. <laughs> All right. So what are the biggest challenges in a long-distance relationship? Is it the lack of one-on-one time? So the biggest challenges on a long-distance relationship is the lack of quality time, but then also the lack of physical intimacy, especially if the couple has already engaged in a physical, intimate relationship together. It can make the relationship filled with anxiety and stress, especially if one person does have a higher libido. And let's say they are flirting and they're doing all the things to keep arousal and love alive with each other, but they can't act on it. So that can cause a lot of frustration. And then they can get into other arguments. When am I going to see you? When am I going to Right. Because you can only do so much through the screens. Yeah. And you got to make sure you have a secure Wi-Fi. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> anyway, I got to imagine you got to get creative when the distance is between you. What can you do, Dr. Janie? You have to get creative. And part of that, if we talk about mature couples and we're joking about protecting their encrypting their passwords, but they can <laughs> share, you know, mutually agreed upon pictures with each other. They okay. can FaceTime. They can even have dates through Zoom, watch a movie. They're both watching the same. So there are certain types of things. You just have to get creative and it has to be something that they both agree upon. So some of my couples that are long distance, they do have movie nights, but they're doing it while one person's on the phone or on Zoom and they're watching it, they're able to have conversations about it. But when we're talking about their sexual and intimate life, for some of my couples, they're playing certain types of games with each other. There's some sex box subscriptions that people can get. Oh, where they really? Can, uh, yes, there's subscription for sex boxes. You can get mild, hot. Really? There's um, role play, there's dialogue, there's games, even before you even touch each other. So I recommend just to continue to create certain levels of desire and attraction. But what happens is just on the other side of it is they can't act on it. Mm. But they want to continue to keep that up. But what happens, though, Suki, is when they do get together, it is really hot. It is really hot because they had all that tension being built. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know about you, but you lost me at sex box. I'm like Googling it right now. <laughs> Full disclosure. So how can couples introduce sex toys? Because that's where people can get a little uncomfortable if you have issues with sex toys. This is a conversation that comes up more times than not with my couples when it comes to sex. They want to introduce sexual toys in the relationship. And the most important thing that I find is that they both have to be open to the experience. All types of things can happen that can cause it to be more of a negative effect than a positive effect. So the first thing, there has to be a conversation about both parties. How do they feel about it? You want to understand how does your partner feel about it? How do you feel about it? Second part is what type of sexual toys you want to bring into the relationship. And then the third part would be how frequently do we want to use these sexual toys? Because a lot of times couples have fear that if I introduce Introduce these toys, will she be more satisfied with the toys and she's with me? Yes. Right. So all of these kind of conversations are real conversations that couples need to have. And if they haven't used sexual toys before, I always tell them to start off very slow by first having conversations, using what they're comfortable with, but always going to each other first and using it as an aid and not to go to. That's always a good place to start off with. That's good. That's good. I like that. All right, Dr. Janie, that brings us to our listener who has a letter. She wants to keep sex alive, but, you know, her partner is dealing with something that a lot of people could be dealing with, and it's a topic that few of us really discuss. So let's get your expert opinion on what's going on. Hi, my name is Giselle. Like the model, mine is the look. Anyway, my question is, for people who are over 50, like myself, what is 
most important in a relationship, sex or companionship. Also, if you have problems with your partner with ED, how do you handle that? Thanks. All right. So there's a lot to this right now, right? So let's take the first part of her question, and then we'll talk about ED, which is erectile dysfunction. So the first thing I would say is you want to step back and think about, well, how do I feel about sex at this age in my my time in life? How important is it to me? And if sex is important to you, then it's going to be important to the relationship. If it's not going to be important to you and it's important to your partner, then you're probably going to have some type of conflict. And does companionship trump lust? When you get to a certain age and stage of your life, everyone, again, is individual when it comes to these types of things. But companionship starts to become more important once you get to a certain age and stage of your life. And the sex and the attraction and all those things become a cherry on top universally. There's always going to be outliers there. So let me just say that companionship does become more important at some point, especially when, let's say, people are a certain age where you have more health issues, you have more things that are happening. You want someone who's going to ride or die with you, not necessarily who's someone that just wants to have sex with you. So that's going to be important. And how do you keep it spicy when your mate has eaten? There are a lot of drugs for that. (laughs) Yeah. So the first thing I would say is that if your partner has erectile dysfunction is for you not to shame him at all to make sure that it's not a big deal, but yet also have a conversation about the options that are there for you, especially if the two of you want to continue to have a healthy sexual life. The one thing you don't want to do is not talk about it and not address it and then completely act like it's not a big deal, meaning that you don't want to have sex when you do. So not to use shaming language, address, you know, well, what are our options? What do you think we should do? Versus telling him what he should do and then potentially support him in whatever he does, right? Because there are a lot of men, especially over 50, you don't talk about their use of erectile enhancement drugs and these types of things because they feel ashamed of it. But it's actually very common, especially sometimes, Suki, also with younger adults, because sometimes it's a whole other conversation. But, you know, if you consume too much porn, sometimes we're getting erectile dysfunction for other reasons. So have conversations about it. Uh, see what your options are. No shaming language and move slow and be in a place of acceptance. Can you go to the doctor with them if that is your partner so you can understand what what's going on? Because I feel like the more information you have about a medical condition like that, the more supportive you can be as well. If he is open to you going to the doctor with him, then I would say go. Mm -hmm. But not to be in a place where you're pushy about it, because we also have other resources if you want to learn or be informed about it. And But this is key, Suki. We probably want to say this. It has nothing to do with his attraction to you. Sometimes women in particular will internalize that. If he can't get an erection, he must no longer be attracted to me. And then you internalize that and you take that message. And sometimes, honey, it's not about you. It's just about his biology, right? So it's important to say that. Yeah. And say it out loud, you know, to yourself so you don't feel bad and you don't create a conversation that really is not reality. Well, Giselle, thank you so much. I appreciate your candid conversation with us. And hopefully that helped some of the viewers that are listening right now. Thanks to our resident therapist, Dr. J.D. Lacey. It was getting really hot in here for a minute. I'm looking up my subscription for my box right now. (laughs) Your wisdom, your time. We appreciate you. Next time, we're going to have Petey Silvera back to talk about her past life regression sessions with our couples. This is 90 Day, The Last Resort Sessions. I'm Sukanya Krishnan. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. The 90 Day Last Resort Session is produced by TLC and Sony Music Entertainment. 
TLC and WBD executive producers are Cameron Curtis and Margaret Kelly. The executive producers are Sarita Wesley and Jasmine Henley-Brown. Our senior producer is Medina Perwana, and our producer for this episode is Samara Lenga, and our associate producer is Jade Abdul-Malik. Engineering is done by Sam Baer, and our production manager is Tamika Balance-Kalasny. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 